I don't think I've really talked about it much in the public sphere at all before, but growing up as a teenager, I had a type of cancer. So I was in hospital for years 13 to 18 and had sort of lots wow. and lots of um, sort of accompanying things what that were related to that. I was very lucky in that it didn't actually require sort of huge amounts of treatment, but it was a type of carcinoid cancer um, attached to the bowel. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's quite a rare, it's caused, I think, by a type of hormone. Right. Um, so How did they find out? Because, I mean, bowel cancer is one of those cancers they, they don't really find so early yeah really luckily i actually had um appendicitis yeah. <laughs> luckily luckily <laughs> so they found it but um but even even in that and this is something that i think it's taken an awfully long time to even be able to talk about it's not something that comes to me naturally it's it's even something still that i'm working through myself to be able to be in a place where i feel comfortable enough to to talk about it and to to feel okay with my own mental well-being to discuss it Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018 in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Amy Durant is a freelance conceptual creative director and copywriter who has worked in advertising, media and technology for nearly a decade. Having spent her youth in Essex writing stories for her Beanie Babies, as well as having her sci-fi novel Prisms published when she was just 18, Amy went on to study journalism at Sheffield University. Starting a music magazine with a close friend, she travelled the world reporting on gigs and festivals, but realising this wasn't where her heart lay, transitioned into storytelling for design and technology. Moving into advertising and working on accounts as varied as Nintendo and the Teenage Cancer Trust, she has been able to excellently demonstrate how creativity and technology can come together. Amy was shortlisted for a Woman of the Future Award in the media category in 2017 and has worked as an ambassador for the programme ever since. An LGBTQ role model for Stonewall, this is also the first time that she has spoken about her cancer diagnosis as a child. Although you can't tell from my very Essex accent, um, I was actually born in Basildon. Yeah. yeah, so came from Essex. I'm half Essex, half Irish, which is always a great <laughs> That's combination. A nice mix. Yeah. Nice mix. Growing up for me it was with my parents and my brother, who's two years younger than me. But I had quite an interesting childhood in that it was split sort of partly between the uh, the sights and heights of Essex. And I had a lot of family in Shropshire and highly up the country. So it okay. would be sort of a mixture of growing up in the town, um, but then also being able to get out to the countryside. It was, um, yeah, it was a nice kind of mixture and to be able to sort of have that outside and then... Uh, mm run back to Las Vegas. Is that what they call it? I think there's a, a, probably an unofficial name. I was going to yeah. say, the Essex stereotype seems a little bit unfair. It is, you I think. Have to gr- you had to grow up with that, I suppose. Yeah. Because it was all when Towie was taking off and everyone just gets this really, as I've just said, like stereotypical mm-hmm. Essex girl boy. Did you have that? 
It's true, yeah. So I'm um, sort of after, as I was growing up, um, I actually live in Brentwood. My family are from mm. Brentwood and Chenfield, which um, any keen The Only Way's Essex fans will mm. know is where it, it's filmed. So it was quite a weird kind of bubble growing up of having that in the high street mm. and having all of these tour buses come in, which is... Yeah, tour buses? Yeah, you'd have full tour buses sightseeing of people. Sightseeing. Sightseeing, right. Essex <laughs> oh tour God. buses. Um, which on one hand is amazing for the Brentwood economy, it's great for local businesses, but it is quite bizarre when you tell people where you're yeah, from. Yeah, and also when you just want to pop down to Sainsbury. Yes, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> can't really walk. Yeah, exactly, yeah. just a pint of milk. So I think, yeah, the stereotype of Essex women having sort of a particular look mm. or a, a particular sort of yeah. way of yeah of sort of being it's quite interesting when I'd tell people I was from Essex occasionally I'd get that sort of oh oh okay but you don't you don't sound like you're from Essex almost as if it was a, a negative yeah. thing which is such an yeah, odd, a label. odd thing weird, such a label it? yeah so what did you like at school what kind of subjects or yes. your interests were so school I was um very creative very kind of like into English literature I'd always, from a young age, sort of done written bizarre children's stories, and I don't know if you remember that classic 90s trend of Beanie Babies. Yes. Amazing. I literally have, like, boxes and boxes. My husband and I moved house, and my mum brought over this whole, like, cratefuls of Beanie Babies. Yeah. It's embarrassing. No, no, I think it's quite an achievement. I am on the other side of that. Okay. Um, so I used to, used to have all these toys, so I used to just write stories about them. I used to write these... Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, these really tiny paper books all about the things they were up to which as I went through school kind of translated into English literature I was very into writing mm. very into drama and history and, and languages so I sort of erred more on the creative side of things but you'd be hard-pressed to find me without a notebook and a, a pen yeah. sort of just writing stories about anything that was kind of happening around me uh, so did you school. do creative subjects at uni did you go to uni or? I did yes yeah. so I went to um, University of Sheffield I studied a really fantastic journalism studies course at the University of Sheffield, so all of the Beanie Baby stories, they uh, ended up translating into newspaper articles. I always, always, always wanted to be a journalist. I was writing about local news that was happening in the neighbourhood, or I was on the school paper, I yeah. used to sort of write in that. They mainly concentrated on writing, because obviously journalism is, has lots of different facets and yeah. lots of different mediums, but it was mainly for you, like the written word. So when I went into it, it was primarily writing. I mm. always thought I wanted to be specifically a news reporter and a written sort of reporter. But the, the course I did, which was incredible, gave me a really wide range of things you could do. So mm. elements of it were broadcast, some of them were full-length radio days of sort of, or presenting TV news studio days. Yeah. We had a, I did broadcast journalism at Leeds ah, and it okay. sounds incredibly similar yeah it probably it, it, is yeah. did you spend a lot of time in uh, Crown Court as well reporting yes. or they just yep. say can you just go out and find a story yes <laughs> so you would never do this these days at all you literally mm -hmm. went down to the local offie and we like, think that's the guy standing behind I was like is there anything going on in the neighbourhood today yes but then you would then go to places like the courts mm. or official mm -hmm. bodies that you could try and glean something interesting that might be happening it yeah was really weird. it was good it was good experience <laughs> because you had to have that social interaction as well yeah. and you, that's a skill i think for, yeah. especially within the creative arts you need to know mm -hmm. how to communicate yeah for sure get information out of people or... yeah for sure i spent a lot of my days um vox popping which oh, for, yeah maybe people who don't know know what that is is the fun practice of either taking a microphone or a camera speaking to complete strangers on the street and asking them a particular question many of whom do 
not want to stop no, you. No, they normally just tell you to bugger off. Yeah, yeah. most yeah, of the time. Yeah. So yeah, the same same sort of thing. I ended up writing lots of really bizarre stories. I met some amazing ghost hunters in Sheffield. Oh, who cool. would, uh, There was a haunted telephone box in the middle of the city which just used to ring in the middle of the night. I like that. Spooky. Really interesting. Really um, but yeah, in, in a similar way, just sort of scouring for stories, but then just sort of like not just concentrating on the written aspect of it, but how that is in the digital world. Because mm. I mean, we are probably of a similar generation, and I think that as certainly I was going through uni, things like digital media were becoming a thing, yeah, they and really were. online sites. And I started a music zine when I was at university, which was my first kind of foray into the actual world of journalism so it was really interesting to see how stories were translating from just that traditional print sort of method which is still equally valid today but into more digital formats and video and audio and podcasts mm. like this so it was, yeah it was fascinating do you still write stories now going back to like your beanie baby story <laughs> it sound, that sounds really interesting do yeah do well, i do so unfortunately not so many about the beanie babies well, so shame. if you're waiting for the sequel uh, you might be waiting a while yeah i do actually when i was 18 I was lucky enough I actually had a novel published so I wrote a science yeah. fiction novel oh cool um, yeah What's so it, called? it was called Prisms right. it was a classic sort of rebellion revolution dystopian city uh, type thing but it was something that I was I was really keen on and wanting to do and mm. something that I had an idea for and sort of wanted to make it happen but since then I've tried to keep my hand in in writing and whether it's short stories or whether it's sort of bits of poetry I yeah. sort of write any any kind of length of word thing yeah. sort of what I do nowadays but um yeah stories are really at the heart of everything I do whether it's written work or whether it's more in creative technology which is sort of what I work more now in it's um yeah, yeah. And everything so now you are, according to your website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What's on oh, there? <laughs> a freelance conceptual creative director and copywriter. Mm-hmm. You worked in advertising and media and tech for nine years. I have, yes. So how did you go from being a journalism student mm-hmm. at university to coming off or going down this particular avenue mm-hmm. of career? Yeah, it's um, when I was at university, obviously doing journalism studies, I had this music magazine that I founded with a friend of mine called Lauren and we ended up doing amazing things like going out to the Warp Tour, Vans Warp Tour in Atlanta and doing all kinds okay, of things. Okay, so like, as, as an aside, <laughs> you just say, oh, I set up this mag- music magazine. It actually turns out that it's pretty... It was good. Damn big. Right? Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know if that's I the love word. it when we did that. Oh, do you know, FYI. Throw that in. <laughs> it was... Um, End up in yeah. LA, did you say? Uh, we Yeah, Atlanta for that Atlanta, one. Atlanta, um, But lots of, lots of uh, interesting places. But it was cool. It started as a passion project mm. where... Um, yeah, it was, I think, my mum and a couple of friends reading it. And then uh, sort of snowboard, we'd do gigs, we ended up doing festivals, we got more press and more artists. So through doing that, turned it into, I think, the, the, one of the biggest online music magazines in sort of Yorkshire, probably. Um, this is crazy. It was fun. It was really fun. But through that, actually did a bit of work with NME. So right, then started okay. doing music journalism on the side started looking more into how I could actually apply it. Is this your passion? Is this, I mean, personally, this is what, where your interests lie? It was originally okay. <laughs> my interests okay. lay. I think my interests have kind of evolved. Mm. There's, there's a great quote my mum says, and it's sometimes on the way to a dream you get lost and find a better one. Yeah, yeah like and I like that. And I think it started with this really specific dream of being this reporter, mm. and then going through there into music journalism, 
transitioning more into design and technology. So I was a writer for the Z magazine right. for a while and a few other kind of news publications. So I was in journalism for about three years or so actually doing that as a career. And then all of a sudden realised I didn't want to be a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? Something happened? Or no, I'm not sure. No, if just it's... like a light bulb moment. I think it was, yeah. yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it and I was very much into feature writing and long form and coming up with ideas. Mm. I think I'd always been into ideas. I think one of the earliest quote marks ideas that I remember having was um, I actually had a game published for the original iPod Nano. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's really random. It's really but bizarre, right? How? How? That's a good how? Um, <laughs> it was like this movie. So I'm aware this is a very tangential thing to say away from your question, but um, it was like a movie monsters quiz. There was a call online for um, young designers and writers to come up with an idea for a game and sort okay. of make it through their platform and. If you submitted it and it won, you won some sort of like technology equipment um, okay. to be able to sort of make games and okay. sort of like write games and things like that. And the reason I mention it is because um, I think I'd always liked ideas, but I'd never really made that connection between being able to use technology mm. and creative writing as something that could become a career. So going through journalism, I, I loved writing and I really enjoyed telling stories, but I always felt like I wanted to be sort of concepting things or experiences or technology or using my writing in a slightly different way. So after all of these years of training and <laughs> all of these many stories I'd written, actually sort of took a look to see what I could be doing and where I could be applying it, at which point ended up moving into more advertising. So I started as a creative with an agency called Kamarama and Cream London, originally on their Nintendo account because I was such a gamer and knew the games so inside out that um, I could actually write TV scripts and create things. Did you for the go? Games. I wanted to ask you, mm. did you go into advertising because mm -hmm. at that point, because I have obviously worked in digital space yeah. and online and stuff, because mm -hmm. they're making money or like mm -hmm. how businesses or corporations or mm -hmm. publishers or broadcasters or whoever. To make money out of digital is really hard, mm. <laughs> and that is probably predominantly one of the biggest challenges for you at that time. Was that mm. where all of the opportunities were, or you know, all of the cash flow essentially as well? Was that mm. where it was? The opportunities were more available. Or? More available. That is a good question. I think. I mean, it sounds quite naive. I think, but I think at the time, I wasn't so much thinking about cash flow. I mm. kind of went into it more with. The, I mean, uh, more from their point of view, not yours. Oh, okay, as in the sense that they had the ability to mm. offer development opportunities or oh, okay. to offer you know support to people that they could invest in people like yourself mm. full of ideas full of creativity mm -hmm. just allow them carte blanche almost to come and come up with these things and give them the mm. time to do it as yeah well. I think there were definitely more opportunities in that space particularly with the way that like you say digital was yeah. changing and it wasn't just an online website anymore it, it still be, is as well isn't yeah, it? yeah exactly it's always always evolving and I think, yeah, being able to, particularly with an account like Nintendo, have mm. a look at so many different games and applications. And now they do amazing things with their Labo work, which is basically sort of pieces of cardboard that can be assembled and, and really simply programmed and coded to become instruments or to become That's very toys. Cool. It's yeah. really cool. And that was just at the beginning of the advent of all of these different tech coming together. So I think in that way, probably, there were more opportunities to be able to consider how 
creative and stories can yeah, be applied have to the them. luxury of time to actually yeah. look into it and develop it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, is that what, so this is what you were doing. You were kind of coming up with ideas in this remit. Yeah, ideas for content or yeah. writing scripts for TV ads right, or coming okay. up with ideas for experiences out in the real world. Okay. So I was trying to take that sort of the storytelling that I knew through journalism and apply it to brands or experiences or films or yeah. and the two things. married up quite well they did I yeah, think yeah. yeah it gave me the opportunity to concept things and, and mm. have ideas about things that I was looking for but have that mixture of not just sort of long form but how do you tell that story in 10 yeah. words like how does that translate when you don't have a huge amount of time to communicate it's it? like in journalism what's the top line right yeah exactly what is the top line of the article yeah. or what is it you want to be telling people so I think it I think it did translate quite well yeah yeah that's really interesting Across all of the work that you've done, is there any one thing that particularly stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of? I think so. I think there's lots of variety of different sort of pieces and things that I've worked on. But I think there's something that's quite personal to me that I've worked on in the past, which was actually when I was at Cream and Carmel And one of the accounts I worked with was the Incredible Teenage Cancer Trust, who do amazing, amazing work with young people. and provide spaces for young people with cancer who are maybe don't necessarily have the places to just mm. let themselves be teenagers and to have the support that they need. So I worked on a variety of few different campaigns with a great team at Cream and Kamarama to come up with films for their Royal Albert Hall and mm. to actually sort of tell the stories of these young people. And it was something that was incredibly incredible person to me, which is, I don't think I've really talked about it much in the public sphere at all before, but growing up as a teenager, I had a type of cancer. So I was in hospital for years 13 to 18 and had sort of lots wow. and lots of um, sort of accompanying things what that were related to that. I was very lucky in that it didn't actually require sort of huge amounts of treatment, but it was a type of carcinoid cancer um, attached to the bowel. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's quite a rare, it's caused, I think, by a type of hormone. Right. Um, so How did they find out? Because, I mean, bowel cancer is one of those cancers they, they don't really find so early. Yeah, it? really luckily. I actually had um, appendicitis. <laughs> luckily. <laughs> luckily, so they found it. But... Um, but even even in that, and this is something that I think it's taken an awfully long time to even be able to talk about. It's not something that comes to me naturally. It's it's even something still that I'm working through myself to be able to be in a place where I feel comfortable enough to to talk about it and to to feel okay with my own mental well-being to discuss it. But. At the time, particularly working with Teenage Cancer Trust and being able to create these campaigns, and I created a campaign for them which was about shunburn and and skin cancer and how we can actually help teenagers to better discover and be aware of these kind of risks and signs was something that's very personal and close to my heart, but maybe at the time didn't feel like I could actually even talk about or was emotionally ready to discuss. So was it a way for you to express maybe all the feelings that you were having to suppress or like not talk about or communicate to the wider world? Potentially, I think, and maybe a chance to to give teenagers who were going through something similar um, the chance to be able to see that there was a space or that there are places and organisations that they can they can turn to and I think it's still something that's incredibly important yeah and arguably you're probably the best person to do it (laughs) (laughs) you you do but you have an affinity don't you you actually know what that entails or how to move Mm. through something like Mm -hmm. that which is phenomenally hard Mm. and challenging for sure I think it's 
incredibly challenging and it's only like I say in these last two years now mm. almost 10 years later that I'm sort of even able to recognize that it was a thing or that it, it was tough and to be able yeah. to look back on that work and, wow. and say that's something that I'm proud of and I've had the chance to be able to be part of something that was incredibly personal yeah. to me as well. Is there a person that you would say has helped you or facilitated your career or maybe in a mm -hmm. moment introduced you or mm. it was pivotal for you because again maybe another light bulb moment you were like oh yeah okay that's what I should be doing mm -hmm. or have you had a career break I suppose is what I'm asking that's interesting I think because my career has always been so um, changeable <laughs> there's never been one particular break but there have definitely been people along the way that have been incredibly inspirational or who've been fantastic to talk to right back to university I had two incredible tutors called Katie Stewart and Yvonne Isley and they were amazing at sort of like providing different opportunities or potentially places that I could be considering to talk to to sort of start with my career and when I was at university they connected me with the Royal Television Society Student Awards okay. um, so I produced a, a documentary sort of for that which enabled me potentially to raise my profile more than I had been able to without it so right back to university I think all the way through my career to in advertising I had an incredible mentor called Layla who sort of taught me different ways that you could tell stories and use visuals and words right up until my modern day career I'm always coming across people so they've all had an influence. Yeah, in I don't think there's way. one person. Yeah, I no, think it's good. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, now having done these interviews, lots of people always cite like a tutor or a teacher mm, or someone in like a position of learning because mm -hmm. you feel you benefited clearly from yeah. that opportunity, that insight, or that moment. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, through the Women of the Future as well, I'm constantly meeting incredible, inspiring women mm. who are always teaching me things, always want to help. And it's yeah, it's it's an amazing network. And I think same is sort of true in life. You sort of build this network of amazing yeah. people who have just touched moments of your life, yeah. um, who have helped you get to where you got to. Nice segue here. <laughs> how did you first hear about the Women in the Future programme and how did you get involved? Such a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you've done this before. Yeah, so I got involved uh, two years ago. So I was a finalist in the Women of the Future Awards in the media category. I actually, I think, for the awards, I remember nominating myself. I remember being told by a previous uh, amazing sort of mentor and creative director that important thing to have within any career is self-belief and there's this amazing network of people around you I could be nominating you there are many other people but how do you feel about nominating yourself yeah. and putting a foot forward and saying I, I believe in what I'm doing and I'm proud of what I'm doing because that in itself takes confidence mm, I th like I think like self-belief mm -hmm. and, and it's terrifying yeah, of course I think. it is of course it is <laughs> putting yourself out on a limb yeah I think exposing so exposing yourself yeah being that. like I'm here yeah, recognize me <laughs> yeah, yeah but also you have the associations or I felt like I did with like oh god do I come across as arrogant yeah like, should I be doing this yeah but if you I think if you put that to a man I'm not making this a man woman thing but I don't mm. think a man would even give it a second thought they'd mm. just be like I'm doing this for my profile mm -hmm. I'm gonna I want to be in this area I want to network I want to be part of the program mm -hmm. but I often feel that as women arguably sometimes are a little bit more self aware or mm. a little bit more reticent to put ourselves out on a limb or, yeah you know. that's interesting I think that was something the creative director had also said to mm. me is that I think any other counterpart wouldn't wouldn't sort of be worried yeah. if they were a man. But um, and again, not not to make it a gendered thing. No, it's but, not. It's not at all. Yeah. But I just think maybe it's literally just the way that we're <laughs> society. Or, yeah, you know, society. Just, you know, goes. it's just 
chromosomes, who knows? Yeah, for but sure. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, and to that point, there's definitely that element of Im- imposter syndrome yeah, and course, sort of yeah. being like, God, this is absolutely not right. But um, I'm really, really incredibly glad I did. And then obviously through the awards, I've stayed in touch and become an ambassador and an alumni for the network. So now I'll get the chance to be able to go into schools to talk mm. to incredible young women about how creativity and technology can come together or how career paths can change and you might mm. end up in a different place. But it's okay not to put incredible amounts of pressure on yourself at that sort of age. It feels like that is something that's really important to you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think it's something that I wish maybe I'd had the chance to sort of experience at that younger age and in a similar way if I've had those amazing women at different points throughout my life and career sort of reassuring and prompting and opening up those opportunities I'd love to be that person who's able to help and connect with someone else who's trying to find their way I guess. Quick fire question. Oh no okay go on go. go for it. What would you describe as your greatest success? Okay, I think my greatest success also links to my greatest failure. Okay, this is good. Two questions in one. Yes. We're done. Okay, (laughs) I can go home now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've thought about what I consider success. I think in the past I might have considered it a campaign or something Mm. at work or a particular achievement or my book or something like that. But I think success for me now... Um, a greatest failure might have been that I maybe didn't pay as much attention to my mental well-being. I right. sort of worked myself to the point of being burnt out potentially. And why, why do you think you did that? I think there's just this drive to want to make things as good as they can possibly be, or mm. to to prove that you're doing a really good job, or that you're working hard, or that you're being successful at what you're doing. And I think sometimes that can translate to maybe working yourself too much or putting your own kind of mental well-being or your work-life balance to the side so I think in the past I I maybe didn't pay as much attention to it as I should have done but I think now the greatest success is actually having more of that life balance and understanding Mm. that it's okay to spend time with your girlfriend or your family or your friends and have that time outside of work to be a space for you so I think my greatest failure and greatest success are quite intrinsically linked in that way. Did it come to a head for you with your mental health? Did it get to a point where you're like, I have to stop now, I have to reassess? Did mm. you have to take like a step back or pause and think? Was there a moment that that happened? Yeah, I think um, it's, this is something quite interesting that I've heard a lot of different sort of women particularly, but in other industries talking about. And I think there are moments. I think there are sort of warning signs that you're working a bit too hard or you've done a few too many late nights mm. one particular time mm. and you think, okay, I'll ignore it, it'll be fine. But I think that does get to a point when, particularly with any kind of burnout, your body just feels tired or you're feeling unwell and you're knackered, you're constantly (laughs) knackered and your brain isn't able to sort of work in the way you want it to. So I think maybe there was a moment when I just thought actively this isn't good for my mental well-being and obviously mental well-being that's kind of low can then equally lead to sort of mental health, different sort of like challenges and Mm. issues and... I think it's, yeah, it was a moment for me where I decided to actively try and take that step to redress that balance and to say it's okay to be creative and then have that sort of life. Yeah. Yeah. The mantra of the woman of the future is kindness and collaboration, as you are well aware. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Interesting. Okay, I think for both my personal and professional life, Mm. actually, I think it's being open. I think it's being open-minded. It's being able to just talk to people. And it sounds quite a basic thing to say, but talk to people on an absolutely human level. Kindness for me is 
just being able to open yourself to new opportunities, but equally sort of being able to look for ways to give back or to help people. And um, particularly within this network and Pinky Lilani, who's the most incredible, kind and collaborative woman I've ever met. Yeah, it's just looking for new ways to just meet and talk and express and share ideas that maybe weren't out there in the world before you met sort of different people. So I think it's being open is probably the main thing. Is there anything that scares you? Tunnels. Tunnels? <laughs> I was not expecting you to no, say that. No, tunnels, oh, no, tunnels, no. I have a, I have a more serious answer as well. Tunnels. Well, as in you can't walk through them? No, it depends how them. small the tunnel is. Tum tunnels come in all shapes and sizes. They're everywhere. So. Yeah, no, tunnels <laughs> like a tube. It is weird. I know tunnels like a tube train, fine, but really small tunnels is probably claustrophobic. Yeah. That, like, what kind it's of weird. tunnel are we talking about? Like a tunnel slide? Okay. Like, you know the orbit oh, tower? Okay, like okay so you couldn't do that. And it's my worst nightmare. My worst so nightmare. is it being enclosed? You know, yeah. they have them yeah, at, um, yeah. water parks. I cannot go near them. Okay, it's like right. the most terrifying thing for me. So going down some form of tube. Oh, God damn. <laughs> Even just talking to me about it gives me, yeah, give me stress. Okay. But um, no, but, jo but joking aside, ridiculous tunnel example aside, mm. I think something that scares me is actually is two things one is talking about my health is mm. talking about my past as i said it's not something that comes very easily to me it's something i worry that people will perceive me one way or another mm. or that it will it will start a conversation that's too much for me to be able to handle and i think that's quite terrifying but then equally i'm a, a gay woman i'm an lgbt role model for stonewall now so i do a lot of advocacy work and i think for a long time that was something that scared me i only came out sort of a couple of years ago so being visible and talking about these issues and opening myself up to potentially viewpoints and mm. opinions that sort of are very very different was something that was incredibly scary for yeah. such a long time. Oh, how do people respond? I think it depends. Um, I'm always one that I would rather talk whenever there's someone who's scared or afraid it comes from a place normally of yeah. not understanding. Or mis has a misconception exactly, or a misconception. about what that might involve. Or, 100%. Yeah. So I think just being able to, to talk and to discuss these things is, is probably the best way to go forward. So I try not to let it bother me because I know that it's coming from a particular place. Yes. You know. And it's normally their own issues or ideas or values mm. or whatever that they're manifesting onto you. Mm -hmm. So it's not your problem, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As much as they're challenging you from a place of mm -hmm. where they're at in their own mind and their own yeah. being, and it's very subjective. So mm -hmm. it's, I would imagine nine times out of ten, nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> and it's quite, it is quite nice to be challenged. I actually... Mm. I enjoy having conversations mm. with people about sort of LGBT issues or about yeah. mental health or about all of these incredibly complex subjects because it enables you to start a new dialogue yeah, or sure. to, to consider yourself someone else's opinion as well as them considering yours. Do you ever find this a bit exhausting though, having to like <laughs> validate yourself to com like complete strangers I'm sure would mm. probably approach you at some point and mm -hmm. had their say or not. Mm -hmm. Do you find it tiring that you have to be like, well let's have a chat about it? <laughs> I've never really felt that okay. actually. I've never That's really good. felt it. Because I you just... should just be who you want to be, exactly. however you want to be. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I know that that isn't easy for everybody, and it's equally as valid if you're not openly out. You know, you're equally as valid to feel however you're feeling. If you mm. don't feel comfortable, you don't have to be talking about it to everyone to still mm. exist within the LGBTQ plus community. But I think, yeah, for me, I've now got to a point of 
of just being myself and I yeah I really enjoy having these conversations and you're really comfortable I'm comfortable yeah. and I like being able to start those discussions because ultimately it leads to sort of a more inclusive and diverse world going forward so it's probably yeah not so much exhausting but yeah. I, I sort of welcome conversation now what's left on your to-do list what's left so much <laughs> I conquer my fear of tunnels <laughs> You're just getting started, right? Yeah, just getting started. We'll get you to uh, like a big water park oh and just gosh. send you down there in a oh rubber ring. Screaming. See what happens. Yeah, <laughs> terrible things. But no, I think that I never really try to make a to-do list. I take, it sounds so cliche, but I just try to take every day and opportunities are always coming up to do new exciting mm. things. And if there's something I want to write or to talk about yeah. or to make, it's, it's something I feel quite comfortable just trying. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Yeah. You can try something Where else. are you working right now? What are you doing? Um, yeah, so at the moment, so I have my creative business, creative consultancy business, which I've worked for different sort of clients with in the past. But currently, right now, I work for Adeco and I'm contracted at Google. So mm-hmm. I work with a Branch Studio team, okay. uh, creating experiences within there. But again, alongside that, have my creative business myself. So I've been able to work with some incredible sort of sustainable eco startups and helping to tell their story. I've worked with various different, a few mental health um, organisations. So it's quite a varied mix now. So if I ask you that really annoying question, oh God, go I, on. I meet you in 10 years time, what mm-hmm. are you doing? I could not even comfortably tell you. I think <laughs> everything is changing so continuously. I think the only thing that ever stays true to me is that I like telling stories. I like using technology to do that. I like connecting and meeting different people. So I think it will be some kind of storytelling, which is a cop-out answer. But yeah, um, but I think it will evolve. And I think as technology changes, I mean, there'll be technologies in 10 years' time that we couldn't even really predict would be used to tell stories in the way that we are doing today mm. if we look 10 years back. So I think it will be interesting just to sort of to move with it and see what happens see but keep telling stories yeah. yeah thank you so much Amy thank you that was course. a pleasure absolute pleasure we'll go to a water park and I'll scream down the <laughs> side I promise not to push <laughs> thank god thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast if you enjoyed it please hit the subscribe button and while you're there why not give us a rating and review you know you want to For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.